Welcome to the teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, South London. You can visit us at calvarychapelsouthlondon.org. Welcome everyone, my name is Robert, I'm one of the pastors here. As you can see, our topic today is serving God and others with our gifts. Serving God and others with our gifts. And if, if you've already turned to Romans 12, good for you. If not, join me as I get ready to read from verse 1 through to verse 11. Romans chapter 12. <clears throat> the writer says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God. I'm reading from the ESV. To present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another." having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to that which is good, love one another with brotherly affection, outdo one another in showing honor, do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Now it's nearly the end of January, can you believe it? Christmas is long gone and it's diminishing in the rearview mirror of our minds. Did you know the do you know what the most popular gift last Christmas was? Well, I better not mention it because I heard Pastor E shoot it down in flames last week. But <laughs> but it's a handheld electronic device. Now, did you receive one of those top ten gifts? Apparently all the gifts last Christmas were all electronic devices. The top ten of all the most popular gifts. Did you receive a gift last Christmas? Last year. It sounds strange. Last year. Now, it's been a month, as I said. If you received the gift, have you used that gift? I suppose if you got one of them, you've been using it. Well, if, if you did receive a gift and you have not started to use it because it's in the back of the drawer, right? Like, 
three pairs of the same socks. <laughs> if you haven't used it, when are you going to use it? When are you going to use that gift? Well, the more important question is, has God given you a gift? And if he has, have you used it? Has God given you a gift? And if he has, have you used it? Now, the New Testament, as you probably know, has 27 books. And nearly half of those books in the New Testament were written by the Apostle Paul. In the 13 letters that he wrote, he always concludes his letters with a list of practical responses to the doctrines discussed. He gives you doctrine, but then he shows you, well, this is your duty in the light of what I've taught. Sound theology ought to lead to godly behavior. Amen? Amen. Orthodoxy, that leads to orthopraxis. Learning that translates into living. What we believe ought to determine how we behave. It's like saying, okay, Paul, now that you've said all that, what do we do? Well, before we look at what we have to do in Romans 12, let's look briefly at what he said. Now, <clears throat> in chapter 1 through to chapter 3 of this book of Romans, Paul starts off with the bad news. He says that we all are behaving badly. There's no one that is right and no one desires God. We're all sinners, we're all guilty, and we all deserve God's judgment. We're all heading for destruction, says Paul, and we need to be rescued. That's what he says in those opening chapters. And in contrast to that, we then see the good news at the end of chapter 3 and chapter 4. We see God demonstrating his overwhelming goodness and willingness to help us in the light of our badness, nonetheless. And he uses a man called Abraham as an example. Then in chapter 5 through to chapter 8, we're presented with the ultimate answer. The last Adam, the mediator, the saviour, and his name is Jesus. And what he did is what we couldn't do. And he offered it to us as a gift. In Jesus... We see victory, liberty, and security. How many of you can identify with that? In Jesus, we see victory, liberty, and security. That's in chapter 5 through to chapter 8. Then in chapter 9, we see Paul focus on God's covenant people, and he begins to outline his amazing commitment to them. There you have the highlights of Romans chapter 1 through to 11. So in the light of all of that explanation, Paul now turns to chapter 12 and the application. Now keeping it in its context, Paul is writing to Christian believers in first century Rome. And if you like, it's to them that is this message that he's communicating, right? But it is also for us. 
it's important to keep the scriptures in their context. You've got to know who's speaking, who they're speaking to, because it makes a big deal of difference. So this message is to them, but it's also for us. It's written to the Christians in Rome 1,900 years ago, but it is still applicable to us in the 21st century. Now, why? Well, because man is still man, sin is still sin, and Jesus is still the saviour. Now, look at verse 1. Paul says, I appeal to you, I urge you, I beg you, therefore, brothers and sisters, speaking to the family of God. Now, most of you are looking at me. If you've got a Bible, I'll ask you to look at it. Romans 1. Because he's speaking not just to me, but to you, particularly. And he says, I beg you, by the mercies of God, to present your what? Your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship or your reasonable service. Now, we're going to come back to worship and service in a minute. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world. Do you hear him applying the stuff that he's saying? He's telling us to do something or not to do something. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your what? Mind, that by testing you may discern what is the what? What is the will of God? What is good and acceptable and perfect? God wants your body, God wants your mind, and he wants your will. God wants your body because without your body, you can't do anything. God wants your mind because without it, you cannot be changed. Because that's where change begins. And God wants your will, because without it, you can't make decisions. Now let me illustrate this by using the Lord Jesus as an example. <clears throat> Do you remember when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane? Just before he went to the cross. All of the disciples are sleeping. Why? Because it's after midnight. This is the time when people normally sleep. But Jesus is on a mission no one else understands and appreciates what is about to happen. Talk about the greatest turning point in all of history. It's about to, it's about to, hap it's about to jump off, right? But he's the only one that appreciates that. He's the only one that knows that. And Jesus is thinking in conjunction with his will, with regard to his body, is going to determine whether or not the plan of the ages, which is the ultimate purpose of God, is going to take place. It's all going to be dependent on his, on his, on his thinking, his mind, on his will, his decision-making processes, and his body, literally. <clears throat> now, Jesus has two options. He can do what is in the purpose of God, or he can, he can do his own thing. If Jesus' mind was conformed to the world, he would not have had God's purpose in his thinking. If Jesus' mind was conformed to the world, he would not have had God's purpose in his thinking. Now check it. Let's say you're on the tube, right? And you're going to work. And you're standing there because you can't get a seat, yeah? And you're looking around at all these people in this packed train. Now you're looking at them and you think to yourself, 
Why, Lord? Look at all these people in this train. You ever had that thought? But what are you thinking about those people? You could be thinking a few different things. Let's say you're standing there, you're thinking, Lord, look at all these people on this train. I wonder if they know you. I wonder if they're going to hell. Now, you might not do anything. You're just standing there, right? With the metro under your, under your, under your arm, hold, with your bag on your back. You may not do anything, but that's your thinking. Your thinking doesn't necessarily cause you to make a decision to do something with your body. But that's your thinking, right? Now, what you do is a separate issue. But, let's say you're not thinking about these people and their salvation. Let's say you're thinking, wow, boy, that girl just over there looked kind of good. She looked kind of nice. And you start flirting. You don't say anything. This is just your thinking. She looked kind of nice. And you try to catch her gaze with your eye, trying to... See, if, if that's you, if that's me, how many of you know we need to have our mind renewed? Because that ought not to be our thinking, because that is definitely not the purpose of, especially, it's not the purpose of God, especially for me. Amen? Right? I mean, unless my wife is on that train, I better, I better be looking at the first or the, the second page of the metro, really. See? And we all struggle in our minds, don't we, with that evil type of thinking from time to time. So the Bible says we need to renew our minds. But that's just our thinking. We haven't, we haven't connected, if you like, the mechanisms for our will to kick in, for us to make a decision based on what we're thinking that now will be outworked in our body or in our actions. At that moment, when you're looking at that girl that's not your wife, and you're single, and she, you don't even know if she's a Christian, right? At that moment, your mind is not focused, or him. At that moment, your mind is not focused on God's purposes. And if you continue, this, this is the danger. If you continue to do that, your will will become weakened, and it won't be long before your body follows suit. Amen? It's one thing to know God's purpose. It's another thing to submit to it. That takes the will. So watch this. If Jesus was opposed to the will of the Father, even though in his thinking he knew God's purpose, if he was opposed to the will of the Father, he would have at that moment not chosen the first option, he would have chosen the second option, which would have been to preserve his life. But see, his mind being renewed would not have been enough. It comes down to what you're going to do now with your will. And Jesus said, as much as everything, I can't say everything that's in me, because he didn't say that. Let me just stick with what he said. He, says, he said, not my will, but yours be done. Right? Not mine, yours be done. I'm not going to take option B, I'm going to take option A which led to him sacrificing his life 
right? And that's what God wants from us. It says in verse 1, he wants us to be what? Living, thank you, Harriet, living sacrifices. With regard to the world, do you want to be conformed to the world or do you want to be transformed? Well, it's got a lot to do with what you think. And that has direct impact as to what you do with your body. I mean, you can't do much without your body, right? You will either glorify God with your body or you will dishonor God with your body. Now, you might say, well, I can see where it says here that God wants my body. I can see here where it says that God wants my mind, but it doesn't say my will. It says God's will. And you would be right. But you see, that's the point. God wants his will to become your will, my will. Because your will is linked to your mind or the way that you think. And the way that you think will affect your body. God's will becoming your will, becoming my will, affects our perspectives, which affects our actions. Amen? Now, on what basis does he implore you? In verse 1. On what basis does Paul appeal or urge to you? On what basis does he beg you? Can you see it? What's the basis? On the basis of the mercies of God. That is, look at what God has done for you. You hear that and you might say, well, you know what? God ain't really done that for me still. Well, evidently, you haven't read Romans chapter 1 through 11. Notice. Abraham, who we just mentioned in chapter 4, Abraham was a serial liar. And God had mercy on him. Jacob, his grandson, oh my gosh, he was a cheating, scheming, deceiver. And God had mercy on him. Later on in biblical history, we see Moses, who was a murderer. Yet God had mercy on him. I mean, Moses is probably one of, the most, one of the foremost characters of the Old Testament. And he was a murderer. Yet God had mercy on him and even used him. We're going to talk about mercy. And about David, another murderer. An adulterer. See, time doesn't permit me to talk about Samson and Solomon. And Rahab the prostitute. And notice, it doesn't say mercy. It says mercies, plural. See, God has been abundantly merciful to them, to me, and to you. On that basis, it's only reasonable. On that basis, it's only reasonable that we worship God with every area of our lives, verse 1. It's only reasonable that we serve God with every area of our lives. Can you see that? Look at verse 3. For by the grace given to me, for by the, for by the grace given to me, notice Paul recognizes a source outside of himself. The grace of God. And it's something that he received because it was given to him. And it's not just for Paul. We see that it's also for us in verse 6. 
having gifts that differ according to the what? The grace given to us. He says on that basis, let's use them. And that's what we're going to talk about now, our gifts. Or how we serve God by serving others with our gifts. How we serve God as living sacrifices by serving others with our gifts. And we're going to look at this under three headings. But before we look at this, or look at the headings, I want you to do something. I want you to think about three things that you like doing. I want you to think about three things that you like doing. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something in a minute. I don't want you to start until, until I say it. I'm going to give you 10 seconds to do it, right? I want you to speak to the person on your left or on your right, in front of you or behind you, and I want you to tell them three things that you like doing. But remember, I said don't start until I say so, right? So you're going to be person A, they'll be person B. I'll leave you to figure out who's who. Then change over and then... You be, then person B tells you the three things that they like doing. Now, check it. No discussion, no explanation. You ready? Go. All right, that's your 10 seconds. It's up. All right, you've got to stop now. Hello? <laughs> Is anybody out there? Now watch. Some of you didn't even hear the question. Some of you heard the question, but you couldn't think of three things. Some of you thought of more than three things, and you couldn't figure out which three to say. Some of you said three things and now you're sitting there, change, you change your mind. <laughs> right? And some of you right now are not listening to what I'm saying. You're still thinking about <laughs> the three things. Right? Now, some of you were very, very confident. You turned around and you, you took charge. And you said, okay, I'm gonna, here's my three, three things, and you went for it. Some of you were a little bit less confident. You were kind of nervous. And you were happy for that person to take charge and give you their free things because you're still there trying to figure out you're free, right? <laughs> now, some of you couldn't decide who was going to be person A. Well, you go first. No, 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 you go first. No. So you, neither of you got any of your free things out. Some of you started to discuss it even though you were instructed not to. Some of you conveniently couldn't find someone to the left or to the right or in front or behind you, right? Now, what I'm not going to say is that those things that you listed are connected to your spiritual gift. I'm not going to say that. Although they could be. The actual purpose of the exercise was to engage you. Now you are listening to me in a way that you weren't three minutes ago. We are looking at how to serve God by serving others with our gifts. Now, to our three headings, if this thing would only work. 
Verse 3, we're going to be looking at how to honestly evaluate. Verse 4 and 5, how to faithfully cooperate. And then verse 6 to 11, how to lovingly participate. First of all, how to honestly evaluate. Verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, see, it's to them, but it's for us, that is everyone, including me and you, if you are a believer in Christ Jesus. I say to everyone among you, see why I try to get your attention, because I don't want no one to miss out. Everyone among you, not to think of himself or herself more highly than he or she ought to think but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. See, the point is, don't overestimate yourself. Remember, Peter did that. Lord, I never deny you. I die before I deny you. I would say that's pretty much of an overestimation, Peter. This is a warning against pride. And these Roman citizens... They probably were tempted to be proud and arrogant because their kingdom had extended from Britain in the west all the way over to Iraq in the east. They had built incredible roads, they had incredible buildings, and they had amazing, incredible military might. Romans. Could we become guilty of doing the same thing? Being proud and haughty. See, well, let's guard against pride on the one hand, and on the other hand, you know what the other extreme is? See, don't be, don't be guilty to overestimate. Yeah, I can do that. It's nothing. It's easy. But you see, on the other hand, what we can do is we can become guilty of underestimating or under-evaluating ourselves. Both extremes can be dangerous. Because one, you come bowling in, you can do anything. What? I heard a story, this is a story that um, you get exposed to in um, leadership. And I'm glad I heard this story early. It really helped me. It's about a preacher who was a young preacher. Thank you. Young preacher. Excited. Haughty. Cut. My man, when he comes out to preach, he comes out like a boxer. You get me? And he, he's got his notes and he steps up into the pulpit. And as he steps up into the pulpit, he slips. And when he slips, all his notes go all over the floor. Along with, along with his haughtiness. All over the floor. So now he's got to step up now. And all the people are looking and waiting. He had prepared to come out to bless the people. But not now. And he tried in some way, shape, or form to put together some semblance of a message. And he stepped out of the pulpit with his head down. And a, a very wise pastor stopped him and said to him, you know what, young man? If you had gone into the pulpit the way you came out of the pulpit, you would have come out of the pulpit the way you went into the pulpit. <laughs> See, let's not... <laughs> pastor, you like, you like that one, Pastor? Yeah. <laughs> All right, then. Oh, you aspiring young pastors. I'm sure you're going to hear that again. Don't over-evaluate. 
But at the same time, don't under-evaluate. Because sometimes we're like, I can't do that. No, me. No. Moses was guilty of that, remember? And God's anger burned hotly against him. Now, I got to keep moving. <sighs> Let's not over, overrate ourselves, but at the same time, don't underrate yourself or others for that matter. When it comes to this issue of gifting, we need a truthful and fair appraisal. We need to honestly evaluate ourselves. Amen. And then we can begin to faithfully cooperate, which is our second heading, verse 4. For as in one body, we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. You've got to become a member before you can have a function in the body, is the picture. Paul here uses the metaphorical image of a physical body, right? To describe what? The church. A spiritual body. How many of you can see that my physical body up here has many different parts? Now, you can't see them all, but because you're just like me, you know that there are loads of parts under all this clothing. And I've got more than one of certain aspects. I've got two eyes, I've got two hands, I've got two foot. For a purpose. Different parts, and they all have a different function. True? Verse 5. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Now this is one of the the major points that we've been trying to come to terms with over the past year here at South London, if you're visiting. We as a body or as a church, we need all of the legitimate parts functioning. Third, we need loving participation. Verse 6. See, it's one thing... Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. See, I'm on a tight tight time schedule this, this afternoon. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. See, what do you have that you didn't receive? Let us what? Use them, is what he says. Let us use them. Let us participate. Let's not check it. Let's not stand on the sidelines Passing unfair comments. Let's just get into the game, innit? You know, you know it's, one thing, um, it's one thing you're playing the game. And me standing on the sidelines saying, what was that all about? That was a rubbish pass. Well, you, you're, you're getting paid X amount of thousand pound a, 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 a week and you can't make a pass. What was that all about? You know, it's one thing you hearing me say that on the sideline. You know, they, they say about... Um, professional sports. You think about a stadium. That you've got the men on the you got 22 men on the pitch who are in desperate need of a rest, and you've got 60,000 people in the stands who are in desperate need of some exercise. <laughs> Check it. In similar fashion, church is not a spectator sport, and it's one thing. Me on the sideline shouting instructions and making comments, and it's a different thing me getting in the game. Amen? Amen. Now, on that basis, 
Let us participate. Let us participate. Here we see a few ways in which we can do that. If prophecy, middle of verse, end of verse 6, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, see that's honestly, don't over or underestimate yourself. Verse 7, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation or encouragement, the one who contributes, that is, in giving, particularly financially, to do it in generosity. He says, the one who leads with zeal and the one who, who does acts of mercy, do it with cheerfulness, right? Now, four places in the New Testament that talk about the gifts. We're right here in Romans 12, and there's the list. Then you've also got 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It's a real easy way to remember. Two chapter 12s, one in Romans, one in 1 Corinthians. Then you have Ephesians chapter 4, which is really helpful, because the next one's 1 Peter chapter 4. So two 12s and two 4s, these are predominantly the places that speak specifically about the gifts. The gifts come from God. Gifts ought to be used. Who wants, you want, I don't want to give you a gift and you leave it on the side. Don't open it. Don't use it. Peter and Paul constantly, with regard to these gifts, use the language of the body. They constantly talk about grace. And there's something else that I will flag up just for this moment, because it's mentioned twice on our list. And that's serving as it relates to our focus today. See, my purpose, as we look at this text, is not to categorize the gifts because these four lists, they split up into different categories, different sometimes complicated categories. We ain't got time for that right now. And Pastor E, if you want to, you can access his teaching on 1 Corinthians 12 through to 1 Corinthians 14. He took a year to talk about these issues is it's complex. It's multi-layered and multifaceted. So I'm not trying to deal with them in a specific sense. Neither am I trying to explain the gifts individually. My aim is to flag up two things. The diversity, because we don't want to be guilty, especially as we begin to kind of focus on God's gifts to us as a church. Very often you mention that, and one of the first things that people kind of mention is, oh, the gifts of the Spirit speaking in tongues, right? What we want to do is we want to embrace all of the gifts and not go off on a tangent with one or two of the gifts, particularly when there are some that can potentially be more important than the others. Because if you've got one and you don't have the other one, it's better that you don't have that one. But we will talk about that further. I'm going to read a couple of verses, and then in a moment, Pastor E's going to come up and he's going to share a few things with us. Listen to Ephesians 4 verse 7. I didn't put it up on the screen because I want you to listen. Ephesians 4 verse 7. I therefore, Paul writing, a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love. Verse 7. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. 
It's something we receive. Verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 and 11 says, As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. If you know God has given you something as a steward, he's coming back to find out what you've done with it. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. When speaking about the operation of the different gifts, Paul is always quick to remind us to keep our motives pure. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, straight after that flurry in 1 Corinthians 12 regarding the gifts. And what does Paul highlight in 1 Corinthians 13? It's not just for wedding ceremonies. Far from it. That ain't even the proper context. He's talking about love. And look at verse 9 of our text as we get ready to finish. Verse 9, Paul says again, Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil and hold fast to that which is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor to one another. See, then he brings it back to the most important issue at the end of verse 11. Can you see it? See, our service is to the Lord. Our spiritual worship, our reasonable service. Ultimately, we are not serving ourselves. Ultimately, we are not serving one another. Ultimately, we are serving Jesus. Honest, honest evaluation, faithful cooperation, loving participation. We need to identify our gifts, don't we? We need to develop our gifts, and we need to use our gifts. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the greatest gift, who is Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse, Romans chapter 5 says five times, Father, that salvation is a gift. And it all, become, it, it all comes to us because of Jesus. Without him, there would be no other associated gifts. So, Father, please help us to yield to you our mind, our will, and our bodies. And that we would focus on our relationship with you, therefore enhancing our relationship with others. Serving you and serving others with our gifts. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Rob. We're not finished, but we won't be long. It's okay for me to say that. You're probably thinking, wow, it's, it's actually historic. <laughs> so I've got to ask this. How long was I? Please don't tell me 45 minutes. 40 minutes. <laughs> no, I was aiming for 30. And you guys were probably thinking, yeah, well, 40 would have done nicely. <laughs>
We're not finished, but it was important that that foundation was laid as we begin to consider our year ahead. We mentioned last week that normally at the beginning of the year, we like to look at our year in focus and take some time to really just kind of consider and communicate what it is the Lord has laid on our hearts and where he's leading us throughout the year. Um, what a wonderful God we serve. We've had a blessed start to the year. And one of the things that is, is, is becoming very apparent, if you're not aware already, is that we are entering into a new season, a new era. We had the wonderful opportunity last week to share with the members um, just some of the, the, the detail of um, the things that I'm going to share um, in, in a summary form. But one of the things we see evidently is that the Lord is with us and that he's working among us. Amen? And the issue of the gifts, Pastor Rob shared on that um, already with a view to laying the foundation because we are, as leaders, um, endeavoring to be extremely responsive to the Lord as he leads us in the area of the gifts of the Spirit. And when I use that term, I use that in a complete and holistic term um, in relation to what we saw, the different lists and all of the different gifts and the things that were expressed in Romans 12, but also including charisma, spirituality, not ducking 1 Corinthians 12, what is it, 7 through to 11 or something like that, where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit and it lists nine things. We're not ducking that. We're embracing that and we're saying, Lord, Lead us as we lead your people into the experience of these things among us. Amen? Now, what we're going to be doing over the next few weeks is, on one hand, seeking to inform our understanding of those gifts, inform our understanding of those gifts from that which the Bible speaks, in order that our experience may be informed as we progress in facilitating the expression of the gifts among us. So that's the first thing that we want to kind of underline. We're going on this journey. Are you guys ready for us to go on this journey together? You don't sound sure, and that doesn't surprise me. That's all right, but you know what? We have the Bible. The Bible is our roadmap, it is our guide, it is our GPS, our tom-tom that is never wrong. And by it, the Lord is going to lead us on this journey. And so we are only going to give ourselves to that which is biblical. And we're going to only encourage that which is biblical and promote that which is biblical. Um, we were sitting down as elders um, the other night and we said, you know what, when we think about it, we can't say that we have seen... A, a, an accurate expression of the gift of tongues with interpretation as is depicted biblically. Now, we've been in churches for years and we've seen these things happen in different contexts at different times in different ways for years. And when we reflected on what the Bible says about the gift of tongues... And how it ought to be expressed, and particularly the gift of interpretation, we said, we don't, we don't even have any reference to draw on by way of experience to say, yes, we've seen clear examples of this. And so we're looking with keen eyes on the scriptures to say, okay, 
Let's, as we do, endeavor to break down the word and then look at what it, it actually means in practice. So, over the next few weeks, we're going to be giving some, some bite-sized you know when some of you guys recently done your GCSEs or you know you've been studying and you can you can go onto um, BBC Bite Size and get the GCSE revision just in in the chunks that you need and so we're going to be doing bite sized chunks of of instruction that's not going to be lengthy explanations but it's just going to be bite sized chunks of instruction over the next few weeks and in the con- in conjunction with that we're going to be restructuring our services in order to facilitate the expression of the gifts among us in a biblical and orderly fashion. Thank you, bro. (laughs) Now, don't be nervous. Don't be scared. God is with us. And I know that for many people, you know, this season that we're in is an answer to prayer. And I would say this to you. You know what? In Israel, it didn't rain for three and a half years. And after God had dealt with the idolatry and God had dealt with the prophets of Baal, Elijah said to Ahab, all right, go up to your house and eat and drink because you're going to hear the sound of the rushing of rain. And then he went and he talked to the Lord. Now, remember, he said that before he spoke to the Lord. And he went and he spoke to the Lord. Then he sent his servant and he said, servant, go and look. And see what you see. And he came back and he said, I see nothing. Seven times he sent his servant. Seven times. He persisted in prayer as his servant went to, it, to, to look at the result. And then his servant came back and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. Small cloud in the distance. First cloud for three and a half years. We can see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And the word of the prophet to King Ahab was, you know what, you better go home quick before the rain stops you. Because when it comes, it's going to come hard. We see a cloud the size of a man's hand. We feel the rumblings and the stirrings of God's spirit among us. This morning was just a further testimony to that. What a beautiful time of praise we had. What liberty we experienced. What an outpouring there has been. And we know that the Lord wants to reign in us. R-E-I-G-N. And he wants to pour out of us living water. And this is in accordance with our vision as being a healthy church. You know, our our vision can be summed up in three statements. The endeavor to be a healthy church, equipped to disciple, and effective in outreach. And that's, that's the picture that is painted by Jesus that the church ought to be. A healthy church. See, we can be a church, we can be gathered in the Lord's name, and, you know, do all the things that church should do, But are we healthy? Are we just existing or are we living? Are we, as the expounded version of the vision, are we a vibrant and healthy worshipping community? 
They say that good is the enemy of best. Well, that's good enough. You're never going to achieve best if you always settle for that which is good enough. And so, yes, we want God to do a good work, but we also want to, to, to seek to glorify him to the uttermost. And so, healthy church, equipped to disciple, you know that the, the mandate is that we go forth and make disciples. And that is a mandate for every believer. Every believer is to be a disciple-making disciple. I like um, some of the guys from um, Reach Records and that whole camp. They talked about disciple-making disciples. We're not just makers of disciples. We are makers of disciple-makers. There's a difference. Now, let me explain to you the difference in numeric terms. If one person, let's say you, were to see one person converted every day for 32 years, one person converted every day for 32 years, how many people would you see at the end of that time? You've got a calculator on your phone, you can do it. It's an open book test. <laughs> on your phone, yeah? At the end of 32 years, one person a day for 32 years, how many people would you see converted? I wasn't joking, you know, you can do it. <laughs> One person a day, 11,680. 11, All right, so thank you, bruv. So if, if you know how to break it down, one person a day for, for a year, um, for 11 years, that's 365 times 11. Yeah, 11 years, 11 years, 11 years. One person a day for 11 years. <laughs> All right. You're right. You're right. You can see why I failed maths, right? At CSE, you know, not even O-level. CSE. That's old currency. In it. So, one person a day... For 32 years, yeah? That's 11,680. <laughs> Nobody watched that, right? <laughs> You're not trying to get me confused up here. Um, all right, now, now listen to this, seriously. That sounds like, I mean, 32 years, um, I'm, I'm 40 this year, yeah? Now, I would like to think, by God's grace, I could still have 32 years left in me. So even if you took it, I'm starting late in the day, and I was really going to serve hard, work hard, pray hard, and allow the Lord to use me, and that was to take place, that sounds like a fruitful season of ministry. Yeah? Hmm. All right. What I'd like you to consider is this. If you took one person and discipled them, for one year. And then that person at the end of that year took one person and discipled them whilst you got another. You with me? Yeah? So I disciple Pastor Rob for a year and at the end of that year he gets Brother Mark, I get Laquena and then we, we disciple them 
and then the process continues for 32 years. How many people at the end of 32 years do you reckon would see disciple? Guess. <laughs> Kay said, bear, bear of them. <laughs> bear fruit. <laughs> Listen. Any, any, any? Double the answer. So you think if you took, I took one person and then discipled them for one, remember it's one year, you know, we're not talking about one a day, we're talking about for one year. One year, and then at the end of a year, we branched off and continued that process, and each person done that. Now remember, it's 11,680. At the end of 32 years of that, would you think it would be more, or do you think it would be less? All right. We've got a scientist over here, right? He's trying to tell us it's 136 million. <laughs> you reckon, right? 136 million. Would you be shocked if I said it was more than that? No, it's not infinite, sis, but it's bigger than 136 million. Would you believe... Now listen to what I'm saying. One person for one year. And at the end of that year, they discipled someone else, I got someone new, and the process continued. It's more at the end of the 32 years than 136 million. In fact, it's more than 500 million. It's more than 1 billion. It is four and a quarter billion people. This is a math. Look. <laughs> I will tell you the Wikipedia page to go to, right? No, 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 don't think that everything you see on Wikipedia is, is bait. But listen, it's, it's a mathematical equation. It's, it's, it's exponential. Listen, if you just go, like, when you're finished, right, when you're finished, go to the Wikipedia page, The Power of Two. Yeah, the power of two, and go to the first 72 powers of the power of two. And I read this in a discipleship book, and I could not get past the page for about a week. Four and a quarter billion at the end of 32 years. If I took, not, not one person a day, you know, because remember, we said, if you see a convert every day, one convert, and what often, what often happens with a convert is they don't go on to reproduce. And so at the end of 32 years, you've got 11,000 odd people. But if you make a disciple, you give yourself to one person for a year. And at the end of that year, you see them do likewise. And it's, it's astounding. And this is the value and the premium priority of discipleship. This was the vision that Jesus gave to the church. Make disciples, not converts. And so we're saying, look, you know what? In order to be a healthy church, we have to give ourselves to this. And it means that each of us 
need to be equipped in order to make disciples. And so we're saying, Lord, help us respond to that mandate. So that at the end of the year, you're supposed to be able to take somebody, even if it's for a basic discipleship program, and establish them in the faith. And it's not to say that more growing won't be needed. Okay, you've arrived. You've got everything you need for your Christian life. And that's it. And of course not. We continue to grow in grace <clears throat> and be conformed to the image of Christ. And so we're making that commitment to say, look, we are going to give ourselves and we're going to restructure ourselves in such a way so as to help disciple each person. Now, even if it was only 16 people in here, 16 people, no, let me say, let's say it was two people over 16 years. It's an astounding figure. And look how many of us there are for whom Jesus is our Lord and Savior. And so it's not about like quick, quick turnover, quick results. It's about becoming established and helping to establish others. And one of the things it's very important that you walk away from today appreciating that as you've been challenged to serve God with your gifts, which include your time, which include your talents, which includes your treasures, as you're challenged to serve God with your gifts, recognize that you have a responsibility to respond to the Great Commission. And, be, and give yourself to be equipped so that you're able to equip others. Because that is part of the outflow we were talking about last week. That's supposed to be part of the, the, the expression of living water from our lives. And if it's not happening, you're not in the right place with the Lord, in your relationship with the Lord. And it needs to be addressed. And so, in order to help achieve that, part of the restructuring will involve us um, experiencing a turning point come Easter. Easter is that, you know, we celebrate the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. We celebrate new life, new beginnings. And the Lord's really laid it on our heart that between now and Easter, we're going to prepare for a really um, complete and full launch into our new season. And so much preparation is going to be going on during this time that's going to result in us launching into the news. So Easter is a transition. It's a turning point. And progressively we'll inform you about a number of the changes. But one of the changes that you're going to see is that we're going to go to two services. We're going to go to two meetings. For the purpose of being able to give ourselves to bodybuilding. Equipping the saints. And so there will be a 10.30 service and a 12.30 service. In the first service, our focus is going to be instructional equipping. So the first thing we're going to do in our first service is go through a, a program called Christianity Explored. It's a discipleship program. And it's designed to help people who are either 
inquiring about Christ or newly, new to the faith to help them become established in the fundamentals of the faith. It's an eight-week program. And after that, our aim is to follow it with uh, the follow-up program called Discipleship Explored. So people have got the grasp of Christianity and now, okay, we want to understand what it means to be a disciple. Christianity Explored goes through the book of Mark. Discipleship Explored goes through the book of Philippians. And we're saying, we're doing this as part of a service and not a side meeting because at the end of it, every single person should be able to say, I'm ready and able to go through this with one person. If at least that. Some people may be able to lead small groups. But once you've been through it, then you know how to lead someone else through it. All the materials provided, all the instructions are there. And so it's not something that is going to um, be a, a, a heavily burdensome experience for anyone. Resources, everything are provided. And so that's going to be our primary focus in the initial stages of running the first service. And then in the um, second service, we'll continue with our expositional um, progress through the scriptures, looking at those scriptures that the Lord directs us to teach um, as, as relevant to where we're at as a church. Also, there's going to be a new time and space because we realize that we only have Sunday in a, in, a, in, a, in a sense. We have community groups and so on, but we appreciate that we have limited time in this, in this building and limited opportunity to really develop all of the ministry that needs to happen and that people have been crying out for and bawling and begging for including ourselves. And so there will be the occasional Sunday evenings where we will be able to give time and attention to specific things. And so, for example, the gifts of the Spirit. It will give us an opportunity to have time together, especially for those who are particularly inclined to be able to explore our understanding of it biblically, but also of our our practice of it in terms of growing in a safe and trusting environment in the expression of the gifts as the Lord would lead us. As far as being equipped to disciple is concerned, we see that there are areas of ministry that again, uh, uh, needed to be um, developed and promoted. So men's meeting, we're bringing that back on the agenda. And these are just some examples. There's too much to tell you right now. But men's meeting, one of the things that we are um, preparing for is a, a, a bi-monthly marriage enrichment fellowship for married couples to come and we just deal with married issues and be encouraged from the word and be strengthened in our relationships. We're going to be reframing our premarital counseling. And so in regards to that, at the moment we, we see couples and so on and so forth. 
And a lot of the things that we go through are quite generic to couples at that stage, preparing for marriage. And so we're going to try and refocus that in a way where we can have a program that will have couples together going through material. And then at the end of that stage, there will be some individual attention for couples as they're preparing um, to tie the knot. There's going to be restructuring within the youth ministry. We're seeking to bring the prayer mentor um, program online. And so these are examples. There are many more things of just equipping that's going to be taking place. How about effective in outreach? Over the last couple of years, we've kind of played it pretty low-key in, in, as far as outreach is concerned. And that's in, from, in, in our terms. We've really sensed a few years back the Lord was saying, look, you know what, you need to invest internally. But there's going to be evangelism training so that every believer can fulfill our mandate to be witnesses. Not everyone's an evangelist, but we're all called to be witnesses. We're all called, 1 Peter 3.15, to be ready to give a reason when asked, to give an answer when asked the reason for the hope that is in you. How is it you face these economic times with just such stability? I remember I was working in a job and a lady, she said, look, you know what, can I, can I, can I meet up with you? What are you doing lunchtime? Let's get together. I was like, hmm, okay. I mean, she was a bigger woman to me, so I wasn't suspect. And <laughs> Although you could never tell these days, right? Anyway, and she said, you know what, there's a question that I've been really wanting to ask you. What is it that makes you so different from so many other guys of your age and so on and so forth? And it was such a wonderful opportunity to just give her the gospel. <laughs> and I did, by God's grace. But those occasions when people, like, you get into a conversation and the Lord provides you an opportunity to testify of him and his work in your life. And we realize that, you know what, we don't take it for granted that everybody's, like, ready like that. And so we're saying... Mikey P. Evangelist Mikey. Where you at? Where is he? Team there? Evangelist Mikey is going to be leading us through some evangelism training. Tried and trusted. Solid stuff that has affected our lives as leaders and our, our, our ability to be effective in evangelism. Um, passion for Life. We had a Passion for Life event last Easter. We're putting that back on the agenda again and beginning to make preparations for that which will be a day that is geared towards being able to invite family and friends to come and um, receive and experience the gospel in a very accessible way. Family day, going to be back. And again, we, we thank the Lord for the opportunities we've had in the Adventure Playground ran by um, Sainsbury's. For those who are unfamiliar, we take over the Adventure Playground. We fly the community. There's food, there's music, and they come along. And it's a family day. People could come and experience that, enjoy that, and, and um, just receive the testimony of Christ. God Corner, we haven't done it for a few years in a formal sense. And I've just been speaking to the church where we originally started, at Westbourne Park Baptist Church, about doing a one-day God Corner this year. And so we're encouraged, one, for the, the opportunity that the Lord is providing for us to return to do outreach to carnival goers. Um, and also for the fact that he's put us in a place where we're being 
I'm strengthened to be able to look at that. Jamaica Mission. Some of you are probably thinking, well, Jamaica Mission's been a bit quiet. Like, what's going on? So on and so forth. Well, again, in time to come, Pastor Rob will give you an update. But that hasn't been shelved. That's simmering on the back burner. And um, the Lord is working in that regard. So these are outreach um, initiatives and developments for you to be aware of. And really, you know, this is just looking at the first half of the year. There's so much on the back half, but we won't get into that now. Um, as an expression of being a healthy church, we recognize that we should be baptizing people. And so we're seeking to have a baptism at the end of February. Um, by God's grace, he has um, given us links with a, a church in Broccoli. They have a baptismal. They're happy for us. Well, they're in the process of confirming they're happy for us to come and use it. <laughs> The kind of these these young guys like, hmm, we have to suss them out. It's a mature congregation there, but they're desiring to see just God glorified in the in the building that they have. And that building is such that through relationship with them, we're desiring to use it for other things. So Sunday evenings and things during the week. And so that will be like an outpost. Um one of the things that we recognize is is good for a healthy church to do is to not just pray together it enables us to stay together but was it is it um the family that prays together that's good you don't know that it's all right Medea. so the family that prays together stays together but likewise is true for the family that plays together and we want to just have a time when we just have a, a church chill out go to dulwich park bring our picnic stuff knock some rounders, kick some ball, and just socialize and get to know one another on another level. And so we're looking at that for um, Maybank holiday. Um, men's retreat. Amen. It's been a minute. Marriage retreat. Marriage retreat. Hey. Hey. Praise God. Yeah marriage retreat um, and that's, that's looking latter part of the year um, and, and, uh, and actually one of the first things is actually going to be a single seminar mm. and the reason we're doing it we've, we've done one a few years ago and we realised that there's a, a lot of people that have come since and so we're just going to draw for that material as the Lord's enabled us to have it prepared, fine-tune it, streamline it, and, and just do a day seminar for those who are um, single and just dealing with single issues. And it's not how to get married. <laughs> don't get it. That's not what it is. So if you're thinking, oh, you know, I don't really need a single seminar, you know, because, boy, I've been there, done that. We talked it out already. No, it's not, it's not like that. It's just encouraging you to be devoted to God without distraction. And distractions come in different ways for different people. And so it's helping to just practically, as well as biblically, walk through those issues. So that's a, a brief overview of, say, the next six months. A brief overview of the next six months. We're encouraged by what the Lord is doing among us. We're encouraged that his work in our hearts and lives. You know, we, we added a community group this week. At, at Temmie's and them in Brixton. 
Praise God, we're expecting more to be added. And, and there's going to be a lot of development and a lot of growth um, because this is the season for that now. It's time to, to bud and to blossom. It's raining, man. Definitely. And so it's exciting times, would you agree? Amen? Praise God. Is God not good? Amen. Amen. Praise God. So I'm going to conclude there. Next week, we're going to have our first snapshot, our first bite size, where I'll just give a brief bite size on the gift of tongues. In the meantime, I'd encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 14. <clears throat> and um, look out for the developments that are forthcoming. Let's pray. Lord God and Heavenly Father, we do thank you so much for your grace toward us. The fact that your timing is perfect. Lord, you are so grand, so great, that, Lord, your grace consumes our weaknesses. You said that your grace is sufficient for us, Lord, even in the midst of our weaknesses. Furthermore, in our weaknesses, your strength is made perfect. And so, Lord, we recognize ourselves to be in ourselves frail and insufficient, and yet in you, Lord, able to do all things. Thank you for your work among us. Thank you for this new season, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for your sovereign hand, Lord, that is... um causing us to experience your outpouring um, for us, in us, and through us, Lord. And may we, Lord, um, be prayerful, Lord, help us to be. May we be full of faith and courageous as we seek to step out and bless one another and encourage and, and to really be used by you, Lord, in those ways that you've purposed. So have your way among us, Lord, and be glorified among us, we pray. In Jesus' name. The church said, Amen. Amen. Praise be to God. Uh -huh.